don't be afraid to share your opinion. You need to be different. Being different attracts people to you. It's attractive. Even if, let's say, uh, you put a controversial opinion as a tweet and then some people attack you, don't worry. This is not bad. This is good. It means that actually people paid attention and even the ones the ones who commented is a testament that there are others who saw this and it grabbed their attention. Welcome to season two of Hype Fury Presents. I interview new guests with the same vibe and the same goal to make you a better creator. Today, I talked to Sohaib Al-Badawi. He works for the International Civil Aviation Organization and recently started tweeting. In our conversation, you'll learn about some interesting tricks to grow your account I never heard about before, like A-B testing your Twitter profile to increase growth. My name is Unique, co-founder of Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Steve. Nice to be here with you. For people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Yannick, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited, you know, to be here with you. For people that don't know me, I think it's a bit complicated, but I'll try to simplify it. Basically, I am uh, half aviation engineer, half marketer, half advisor slash consultant, half content creator recently on Twitter. I think we'll get into that and I'll explain. But okay. initially, this is me, like a combination of multiple things at the same time. Nice. And so why did you uh, study engineering? Well, I mean, I was always, let's say, I mean, when I was young and I'm a bit old, at the time, you know, the cool things were different than now. Now everyone wants to be a creator or an influencer. But at the time, you know, the cool people were actually uh, people who work in the aviation industry and actually people who are astronauts or work in uh, the space industry. So, yeah, this is how I, I, I found my way in aviation engineering. Uh, cool. <laughs> Funny. And now you work at, like, you know, the big organization that leads the aviation industry. How did you end up uh, getting a job there? Okay. So, basically, I mean, I, I graduated as an aviation engineer, and then I started working as an engineer for almost two years of my life. I was extremely ambitious, so I was working extremely hard and also the job itself was extremely demanding uh, you have to keep in mind that on this job you had two things that were competing within each other one the quality of the job because basically you you are handling the safety of the passengers who are going to use this airplane and at the same time you had an extremely tight deadlines because the the plane was already scheduled to fly you know passengers have already booked tickets and there is no way you are going to miss the deadline, which meant that at some days and some weeks, I was working uh, 18 to 19 hours a day. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was extremely intense. And between me and you, Yannick, I burned out. And I decided that this was not for me just because of the simple fact that I cannot be a person who would just do the hours and go home. I was extremely ambitious. I wanted to grow. And to grow, I had to put in uh, the work. And then after that, I've actually got the opportunity to work in uh, IATA. So I, I started in business development. And then almost by coincidence, the marketing team was looking for people to help them. So I raised my hand and they asked me to join the team. I started working in the team. And uh, since then, I was you know slowly growing within the marketing team. I started you know practicing. I studied 
a couple of marketing diplomas just to get my knowledge wrapped up. And it's almost three years now I've been leading the growth team within Ayata. And actually, after that, I mean, a lot of other things happened. Maybe we can get into them uh, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And so how big is your team now? What do you do? What do you most enjoy about your job? Well, basically, I mean, I have, it's very interesting. I'm not a big team. Uh, We're around six people, but they are scattered all over the world. So a couple of them here in Madrid, a couple in Singapore, a couple in Montreal. I mean, so it's like a a global uh, team. And basically, we uh, we manage the marketing and sales of a couple of uh, products within the company. Mainly, you know, some kind of uh, training and certification products, plus small intelligence uh, B2B products for uh, companies within the industry. Cool. Nice. And what, what do you enjoy most about the work? Well, to be honest, I, I enjoy the people. I enjoy the fact that, you know, I mean, I get to work with people from extremely, let's say, different cultures. It's really interesting. You get to learn a lot and you really get to understand, you know, how strong culture can impact work and people yeah that's cool that's cool you've been on on twitter for over a decade but in the last two months something changed huh tell tell us about that this is the long story but i mean i'll try to keep it uh, concise so basically yannick in 2019 uh, the pandemic hit the industry or the aviation industry took let's say a major hit because of the pandemic. And at the time, I was talking to my mentor about you know, the situation in the industry. And one of the things that he did was introduce me to a couple of founders, startup founders at the time. And I started talking to these founders. I started engaging with them. And then because of this, I landed my first consultancy gig as a fractional CMO for a startup. How did you land that? Well, basically, my mentor introduced me to these two startups in a mastermind. And then during the mastermind, I mean, they were talking about what they are doing and the challenges that they were facing. And of course, I mean, as a marketer, I was extremely curious. I was asking questions. Okay, what are you doing about this? What are you doing about that? Uh, Did you think of this? Did you think of that? And then actually the guy was like, okay, I mean, since you have so many ideas, why don't you come and talk to the team? and, you know, present your ideas and try them out. And this is how I actually landed my first uh, consultancy gig. I have one more question, because I think uh, that's also very interesting to a lot of people. You have a mentor. How did you find your mentor? (laughs) Actually, you're asking the right questions. (laughs) I mean, when I first joined Ayata, I was lucky. My mentor was actually my boss. He was, I mean, he was extremely senior. He was an ex-CEO. And uh, we had this kind of mentorship relationship outside the job because in my job, I wasn't interacting with him much because he was senior manager, basically. And then with time, when I moved into marketing, uh, he told me that I need to find someone who's going to help me in that area or in that field. And this is where I started asking actually people that I know, people, let's say, one step ahead of me, if they had a mentor, who was their mentor and how did they get to meet their mentor. In my case, I was lucky because one of the people that I asked told me, look, I know this guy. He's not a mentor. He's, uh, he's actually a founder, an ex-marketer who used to work for a number of big brands in the past. 
and I'm meeting him for dinner after a conference. We're going for dinner. So why don't you come along and meet the guy? And this is what happened, really. I mean, uh, I hit it off. If there is one thing I would say about finding a mentor is that you need to actively talk to people or seek help from people, especially people one level ahead of you. So if you are a manager, look for a director who ask him if he knows someone who would be a good fit uh, for you as a mentor. And I've realized also if the people that you're asking really know you, 90% of the time you'll have a good fit or a good recommendation for a mentor. Cool. So 2019, I started working with that founder. And then actually, I mean, we, we were lucky. I mean, things went well with his uh, startup. And actually, one of the things that I did for that founder was help him also build an audience on LinkedIn. Okay. And then actually through that, I got another gig for another startup or another founder. And then I started working with the other startup on growing, let's say, their product sales, plus helping the founder formulate a kind of a personal brand for him on Twitter, actually. And then, you know, I mean, uh, 2020, 2021, nothing happened. I didn't start creating content or anything. And then I became very close with this founder. We became really close. We had, let's say, weekly calls. I mean, I stopped working with him, but we had weekly calls. We talk, we chat, blah, blah. And one day he was talking to me and he called me an idiot. Like he, he said, so how are you an idiot? I was like, man, why? And uh, he was like, I was thinking yesterday, uh, I received a couple of messages from, you know, random people. And I realized that, oh, okay, now I have all these connections and I have all these messages from these people that I don't know because of this guy. But at the same time, this guy who did this for me has never done it for himself. And this is why he called me an idiot. Thanks to him, he was the one who pushed me to do it for myself. And this is where I, uh, I actually, you know, went to my Twitter account, which goes back to 2011. And since 2011, by the way, I mean, it was dead. I didn't post anything. And the recommendation from everyone was to actually kill my account and start a new account, a brand new account. But I was, I wanted to do an experiment, actually. My experiment was, okay, because for me, it didn't make sense. Why, why do I need to create a new account? If my content is good enough, because it's basically, I mean, the combination is good content, good distribution, you should be able to grow. So, yeah. That was it. You started. And how did you decide on what content to push? How did you, like, reboot your account? It's very interesting, Yannick. So, I do this professionally for brands and, and founders. And basically, professionally, I did it using a formula. So, the formula is very simple. You need to look at three things. Okay, whether it was for a brand or for a person, you need to look at your skill set, your interests, and demand. And whatever you find an intersection between these three, this would be a perfect fit for your personal brand or for your brand or startup brand. But for me, I did something extremely different, which was that I wanted to create the content that I would like to consume myself. Because I, I was consuming content from different people, multiple newsletters, from multiple people about multiple things. And I wanted to create, let's say, a kind of content that meets all my needs. So the content that I would love to read. And yeah, and I started producing that content. Of course, to be honest, at a later stage, I had to revise all of this and I have to, you know, I had to, you know, create content pillars and stuff. Because I also, I mean, my account at the beginning things were really getting out of hand. 
I don't know if you can go back and see, let's say, my old uh, threads. You would see stuff about, you know, how to manage meetings in the corporate world. You would see stuff about life learnings. You would see stuff about, you know, marketing. It was really a combination of multiple things. So I had to, let's say, uh, niche down a bit. Yeah, very good. And so, okay, let's go back a bit. You talked about the three things, your interest, expertise, demand. But you also just said, like, I was all over the place content-wise. What were the first things you tweeted about? And how did you then decide what not to tweet about anymore? Okay, so one, for example, one of the things that I was tweeting about was related to career advice. So I, I was tweeting a bit about career advice. One, because I like it. Two, because I was lucky to be mentored by a CEO who gave me a lot of shortcuts. Like the guy was telling me about things. And actually, it's very interesting because these things, when you're young, uh, you think of them as the opposite of reality. But then as you see them for yourself, you start realizing, oh, this makes total sense. So I started sharing this kind of uh, content on career growth and also on generally on personal development. Okay, So I wasn't focused around this. And then I realized that, okay, I think the most value that I can add is in marketing. And within marketing, in two main areas, which are related to audience building and growth marketing or business growth. So how do you actually build an audience, top of funnel? And how do you actually you know, convert this audience or increase your revenue, bottom of funnel? And yeah, this is where I uh, ended up in these uh, two things. Of course, every once in a while, to be honest, I still deviate from these items and like, for example, to manage myself, actually, I, I created a slot in Hype Fury. And the category of this slot is my name, where I can just post whatever I like. It's interesting because some of these things actually are getting the highest level of engagement. I think because people also like to feel that they are, you know, talking to a human who have, you know, his own thoughts. It's also crazy. So they can relate to you. That's a good one. And so let's back up a little bit again to like the reboating of your account. So you start tweeting a bunch of different things. You didn't really know what would stick, what not. After a while, you know, you saw you were all over the place. You also saw probably, hey, these topics did well, those didn't. But I guess you also followed some interesting people because, you know, you, you can't get engagement out of thin air. You had a very old account, which was dead. Just tweeting into the abyss doesn't really work on Twitter. How did you go about that? I think it was around, so beginning of August, this is where I decided, okay, I want to, I want to go into Twitter. But then what happened is from the, for the first two or I think three weeks of August, I was just observing what's going on on Twitter. I followed a number of people. I mean, I followed, let's say, all of the uh, go-to AAA influencers like Justin, Kate, Dickie, all of the you know, top names. And I was just observing what's going on on the platform. I wasn't commenting. I wasn't, I was just observing. And I think this period was very interesting for me because it was not only about, you know, understanding the dynamics of what has been going on on the platform, but also understanding where would I fit into that. And actually, because of this then, because I was following a lot of people, actually, the first thing that I did after those two weeks was, one, I decided, okay, I will only follow the people that I really, really like their content and not 
the people who have, let's say, a huge following or a huge potential for exposure. And this was directly linked to uh, me creating the content that I like. Because actually these people, I actually have a subset of the content that I like. So somehow it matched together. And then on the last week of August, I started producing some content okay, on Twitter. And uh, what happened is I was really tweeting into the void. So the first thing that I did was started engaging with those top creators. So I had the notification turned on for some of these people. And whenever they tweet or whenever I have time, I go on the home feed of Twitter and I will start you know, replying to all these tweets, genuinely like replying, engaging with these tweets. This was, let's say, the beginning, step one. And in this phase, I would say the thing that helped me the most, and I think that I should really, really highlight this item, is my profile itself. And this is something that especially people starting out don't pay enough attention to. When you're starting out, you don't have content to lure in people. What's going to make people hit that follow button is going to be your landing page, aka your profile. So it has to be picture perfect. How do you do that? Well, I do a lot of experimentation, okay? For example, one of the first things that I realized is that I disagree with uh, a formula that has been used by a lot of people. I think Justin was the one who introduced this formula. And the formula was putting in at the beginning of your uh, profile a kind of a moniker. So saying you are the growth guy or you are the writing guy or you are, I mean, First of all, it didn't resonate with me, but also I had to test it. I had to put it to the test on my uh, bio. Uh, and I realized, yes, I mean, the hypothesis is true. This formula or this moniker doesn't work for, not work for a new, a new account. Actually, I think if you have less than 25K followers, you shouldn't claim a moniker because, I mean, for the person who's landed on your profile, I don't think he thinks you're famous. <laughs> you don't get to say I'm the ex guy. And actually, it, it was very interesting because it, uh, when I first talked about this on Twitter, a lot of a lot of other uh, creators came and told me, "No, but how can you say this?" And we got this from Justin. And I was trying to explain to them, "Yes, but he can claim it. He has the social proof. He has the reputation to back it up and say, okay, I can claim this.'" And and actually, my example was. If you are Napoleon, you can go and claim any land, anywhere, and people would think three times before questioning it. But if you are so hype and you go and you claim a small chair in the middle of nowhere, everyone would come and tell you, no, this is not yours. <laughs> That's a good one. That makes perfect sense. Definitely, definitely. I think there's, there's definitely a vibe on Twitter that clout equals followers, or I would say following equals clout. But there are also a lot of people who have a lot of clout. You know, they build a huge business or they have done a lot of things, but it doesn't show on their following stats yet. And so there's there's like a, yeah, I don't know. I understand where you're going. I also think that, you know, you can boast a little bit. And if you've done something, then you can claim it. The question is, will people believe it? And so that, that's a bit of the problem with, with Twitter is that you need following before you can claim anything. Yes. And I think this is where, and this is the interesting part, 
Some people don't pay attention to it, but this is where your pinned tweet says a lot of things. Because you could say, I mean, you could say, let's say on your bio, whatever you want, but if you have something to back it up in your, like a thread that will back it up in your profile, this also goes a long way. Yeah. So, I mean, just so I don't miss this point, Yannick, I mean, I maybe to give people some uh, useful information. One, your bio, my formula, or what I recommend is, one, what are you talking about? So the topics that you're talking about. Two, what or how is it going to help, you know, your follower? So if you say you're talking about marketing, what is he going to get out of it? Is he going to be able to convert more? Is he going to be able to get more followers stated there? And then three, why should they trust you? So you need to you need to state something that is a kind of a social proof on your profile, dictating why do you deserve or why should I believe you and what to say? And then the last part of the profile would be what are you working on? And this is also, let's say, contradicting some other opinions of starting with what you are doing first. For me, I mean, as a marketer, I, I'd like to think of your bio as your landing page copy. And if it's your landing page copy, it's not about you. It's about the person who's going to land there. Good point. Over the past two months, you've grown a lot. I don't think a lot of people grow as fast as you. Run us through like the top things that really move the needle for you. Okay. One, let's say to give uh, credit where credit is due. One of the things that really helped me grow, or let's say understand Twitter better, was that when I started on Twitter, I stumbled upon a guy called Rob, Rob Lennon. I don't know if you know Rob. No, I don't think so. He has like a yellow picture with a yellow banner. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know him, yeah. Yeah, so I stumbled upon Rob, and Rob was, at the time, uh, he had a kind of a Discord community where you have a bunch of uh, young creators there. It was very interesting because also, for those that doesn't know, I'm 32 years old. So I go into this Discord community and I kid you not, Yannick, I think the average age across that community was 18 or 19. Wow. Yeah. But at the same time, these people were sharing so many helpful information that I didn't know actually about Twitter. And I was, you know, going every day or every couple of days and reading what they're, uh, what they're doing, curating it for me. And actually the interesting part is that I was testing. So I was taking whatever they're saying, testing it and, you know, saying, okay, this hypothesis worked or not and documenting it. You know, I mean, you know this, I mean, you're a marketer. We don't take things at face value. We always like want to, <laughs> want to test, <laughs> experiment things. And uh, one, this thing really helped me. So I would say to anyone who's starting out on Twitter, please find a community of people. And please don't go with these communities where you have to pay and then people, you know, retweet each other. Genuinely reach out to people. Most of the people on Twitter have actually like some kind of Discord community where they go and they just talk about Twitter. Find that community. This is one. Two, use Hype Fury. <laughs> I mean, schedule your tweets. It's extremely important that you schedule your tweets. And starting out, my advice is divide the day into half. So you have one tweet in the morning where you say something motivational for people or inspiring for people. And the other half of the day, give the people value. Give them a step-by-step step on something they could do. 
give them a resource that they can use, give them a tool that will help them. And this is actually the perfect combination. So when you inspire someone in the morning and in the afternoon, you give them value, you appeal to both, let's say, both sides of the human equation. So the brain says, okay, I mean, this guy is giving me value. And the heart is saying, oh, this guy has made me feel better today. So starting out, this is my my advice. Three, don't do what I did from the beginning. Find your niche or find, I call it, find your superpowers, which are what are your skills, what are your interests, and what has demand. And the cross-section between them is your niche. Find it. Begin with the end in mind, meaning that if you are starting as a creator that thinking about in the future you want to sell products, from the beginning, put that at the back of your head. Because there is another issue that is happening on Twitter, by the way, Yannick. I don't know if people talk about it a lot. Because I have a lot of people who reached out to me who have a huge following. But for some reason, or the issue that they have is that no one is buying whatever they are putting out there. And this is due to the fact that from the beginning, let's say when they when they built that account, they didn't have this idea in mind. And for that, they couldn't sell stuff. While you have people who have 2,000, 3,000 maybe followers, and they are selling stuff. This is because their content is, let's say, all around this funnel. Something to think about. Of course, if you're not thinking about selling anything, you just want to build an audience, fine, go for it. But if you want to sell something, keep that in mind and use your content to demonstrate expertise. Another thing is there's a tool called Birdie. I think you know it. I saw a tweet that you use Birdie to split test your profile. This is extremely important. In my case, for example, I used Birdie and I had, I changed my whole profile based on 0.1% increase in conversion. So 0.01% increase in conversion. But when I calculated this over two months, this was more than 1,500 followers. So split test your profile, find the one that has the highest conversion rate and use it. Another important aspect is on the conversion rate of your profile. And this is the advice that I tell people. There are a couple of tools who are using or who are demonstrating a kind of a conversion rate for your profile. And I know because I asked, the conversion rate that you got there is not accurate. Because for example, you have some tools who calculate it based on the profile visits only from your tweets. You have some tools who calculate it based on the unique profile visits and they don't know what is unique and what is not unique so they do an average so an aggregation so my advice always go to the twitter analytics check how many impressions and how many profile visits that you have and how many followers this is your true conversion rate and it's usually very low it's usually like uh, between one to two percent and this is normal this is extremely normal just keep that in mind maybe three other things that i want to that i want to mention One, uh, don't be afraid to share your opinion. You need to be different. Being different attracts people to you. It's attractive. Even if, let's say, uh, you put a controversial opinion as a tweet and then some people attack you, don't worry. This is not bad. This is good. It means that actually people paid attention and even the the ones who commented is a testament that there are others who saw this and it grabbed their attention. So... 
this is not bad. Just if you have different opinions, feel free to voice it out. And actually feel free to have a discussion because you, you will have also some uh, some very unique personalities who will genuinely want to discuss with you this item further. Have this discussion. This is good. When it comes to specifically growing audience, I mean, I have I have a couple of, let's say, I don't know if they are secrets. I'm sure everyone knows them, but I will break them down. Basically, the ones that are very common, write threads as much as you can. Write threads. I think in my case, 80% of my followers or 75 plus percent are coming from threads. Write the threads as much as you can. Two, master the hook. I want to share in the couple next couple of days, I want to share a kind of a, a formula for you to create your own hooks. I see a lot of threads on this, but I want to share something that anyone that can turn anyone into a hooks machine. The hook is 80% of the job. Do it. Just really. Can you tell us a little bit about the formula already? I reviewed as much hooks as I can, okay, on the Twitter. And I did something very interesting. So I went to all the viral hooks that went viral, but only when the creator didn't have enough followers to go viral. Okay, because for example, if I look at Justin Welch in 2020, he always had 100K plus followers, which means that if, let's say, 1% of his audience engaged with his tweet, it's already viral. So I tried to find the, the, the threads of the creators that it actually went viral. Uh, like, for example, a typical example of this is uh, Sean, Sean Puri from uh, My First Million. He actually ha had a couple of threads that genuinely went viral. I mean, he, he didn't have that much followers and they genuinely yeah, just... Clubhouse was a really big one. Yes, yes, Clubhouse and Elon Musk. So yeah, I studied those and uh, I found that for every one of them, the hook was based on one of the things. So either it was based on, you know, interesting facts or it was based on controversy or it was conversational or it had something called a number play or a story. And for each of those, actually anyone can write these ideas. They just need to know how or why it turned out the way it turned out. And this is what I, I mean, I'm still trying, let's say, to, to perfect the way I want to explain them simply because this is the most difficult part about Twitter is that how can you, in a tweet, how can you explain something that big in a small... Uh, so yeah, I'm still working out the details, but I will definitely take it out. Uh, three other, I would say, secret tips. These are, I don't know, they worked for me and I think they are, or they are, they count mostly for my growth and I want everyone to know about them. One, you must have three people that you engage with every single day and they engage back with you. You need to find these three people. And the interesting part is that this has to be based on a genuine relationship because if, if you're just engaging with someone, you know, they might engage today, they might not. But if you really know the person personally, and if you talk to the person and engage with them on a DM or on a call or whatever, you genuinely feel that, okay, if this person engaged with you, you will engage back. And also what's very interesting is that even on the days where you don't want to engage, this person is going to engage with you and you will feel obliged that you want to engage back. So my advice, have these three people that no matter what happens every single day, you're engaging with them and they're going to engage back with you. 
find these three people. Extremely important. Two, it's a functionality available in Hype Fury and in some other platforms, but make sure that the retweets of your own tweets do not exceed 20 to 25% of your tweets. Because if you keep tweeting and retweeting yourself, the algorithm will mark you as a spam and you will get a decreased reach. This is something that happened to me a couple of times. I didn't know why until I purposely tested it and I documented the results. And it's really, it can really hurt you. It can really hurt you. I mean, the decrease of, uh, of reach was between 40% and 50% for me. So it was, it was a lot. Be careful with that. I think in Hype Fury, actually, you put it in the setting. You put that, okay, 20% is a good place to be. Please make sure that you stick to that and don't retweet your own tweets on your own. Don't, just don't. The third one, which is a very interesting one, is for your engagement, if you, let's say, having, if you have two or three slots of engagement every day, whenever you engage with your audience, make sure that you have the last piece of the conversation. Meaning that, you know, someone replies something, you reply back, they reply something, you reply back. Just make sure you are the last one who finishes this conversation. I don't know why this works, but this has worked for me a lot. I don't know if it's because it's an exceeded engagement or because I am triggering an extra engagement, so I'm keeping others on the platform longer. I don't know, but this is something I highly recommend doing. So, and please don't be the person who just only likes the replies that they get. If you get a reply, reply back. If you get another reply, reply back and so on. Yeah, basically, I mean, this is all. If anyone is starting on uh, on Twitter, I mean, I have I have actually a thread breaking down exactly how I went from zero to 10,000 followers with details of the details. I would encourage everyone to go through it. Thank you, Saeb. This was great. Where can people find you on Twitter? Well, my handle is uh, at uh, albadawi. So that's A-L-B-A-D-A-W-E. And uh, I'm also on LinkedIn as Suhaib Al-Badawi. If you, if you want to reach me, I'm also starting to create content there. And yeah, I mean, I'm genuinely, let's say, I'm genuinely in for helping others. I believe anyone can build an audience on Twitter. If you need help, DM me. I'm more than happy to uh, give you, you know, an advice, a direction, or actually learn from you if you have something that, that I can use. Cool. Thanks, man. That's a wrap. But before we end this episode, I want to make a gentleman's agreement with you. I keep sharing these amazing podcasts with you. And the only thing you need to do in return is to go to YouTube, search for Hype Fury and subscribe to our channel and go do it right now. And I'll see you again next week.